Welcome to episode 5 of Clarissa Explains Life. In this episode, some of the content is of sensitive nature, so just to be aware that it can be a bit triggering to some people. There's no point in me saying all the things that are talked about, because different things trigger different people, but there are certainly things that might be triggering to some of you, so um, I'm just putting that out there now before you listen. Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Clarissa Explains Life. And here we are, episode five already. Can't believe we've gotten this far. I'm still having some glitches with all my recording equipment. I had to change my microphone, send the old one back. Oh, it's it's been a bit of a nightmare. It's not as easy as it sounds when you're listening to podcasters. You think they're just talking into their phone? No. Um. So yeah, episode five. And this week I have another very special guest that I am going to interview. And um, I suppose this is a follow up to the first two episodes on weight loss. So there was my journey. Then there was my sister Becky's journey. And I'm really, really excited to say that my sister Anna has decided that she wants to tell her story. Now, she wasn't sure up until this week, which is why I didn't really announce it. But um, I'm delighted she is because talking about Becky, she spoke her journey and everything. But Anna's Anna's weight loss story and all her stuff is so different to Becky's. So um, it's another perspective from that whole side of it. So uh, I'm going to introduce her now. I'm really, as I said, I'm really excited to do this interview, another family interview. So um, Anna, welcome. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. And I can't believe it's your fifth episode. It's well done. You're doing so well. It's mad, isn't it? Um, I will just say to anyone listening, this is going to be for now, this will be the final weight loss or weight <laughs> journey episode. I'm not every episode is not going to be about weight loss. It was just yeah. and to be honest, we had had a plan to do a different yeah. type of interview. But um, I just decided that I kind of wanted to get my side of the story out there as well. And it seemed to fit in quite nicely. So I hope people aren't going to be bored listening to another story. But as you said, it is a very, very different story. Yeah. And I think I also think so many families, um, especially uh, like people who struggle with their weight, there is always other family members who are sort of in the same boat. But actually, when you pull everyone apart everyone is on such an individual journey and no two it's like I always say about like I said in my journey like what suits one person doesn't suit another person what what plan suits one person doesn't suit the next and I I had gone down the road of being very sort of um militant anti-clubs at one stage I spoke about that but I do now see that what works for you not for you, Anna, but what works for one person doesn't mean it shouldn't work for another person. And if if all you if all a person gets out of going to a club 
is even the social aspect of it. We spoke about this the other night. Mm. So be it. So be it, you know. Um, so, yeah, Anna is next youngest down to me. I'm the eldest. So Anna's four years younger than me. And there's actually only 11 months between Anna and Becky. Um, I think I... No, uh, 13. Is it 13? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm December and she's January. Oh, We're of course. Not quite Irish twins, but no. all, just might as well be. I'd say mum would say you, you may as well be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, Anna actually, and I'm going to bring it up at the end of the interview, mm. but Anna actually, I said this, I've said this a few times, but Anna is such a wise old owl, young owl. Owl. <laughs> um, Ow. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> she has her own business and she has always been my inspiration when it comes to oh. how I would like my coaching. She doesn't do well. You do do you sort of do everything, but her the way she is and how she puts herself out in her business is just amazing. And I am going to get her to repeat it at the end so you can write it down. But Anna is actually a counsellor, she's a shaman, she's a celebrant, she's go on, I can see you wincing. Go on, you you'd say what you are because you've so many facets to you. Well, I'm a, a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist, um first of all, with over um 10 years of experience, um qualified in 2011. Um, but I'm also a, a fully qualified shamanic Irish native Irish shamanic practitioner, um, and um, I've been doing that for a good few years as well. Um, but on just very that, briefly, because we will talk more about all mm, what you do in another yeah. podcast. But in one sentence, what does an oh Irish God. shamanic practitioner do? Um, it's a form of holistic healing. Um, some people would say it's a spiritual healing, but spiritual is a very loaded word because there's yeah. a lot of kind of like, you know, stuff around that. But in that there's contact with spirit. Um, so I work with my spirit guides and with other people's spirit guides um, and and I use the drum and the rattle. So I suppose the kind of a common analogy would be like medicine man or woman within the native american tradition even though it's very different um and it, there's a very very long and rich history of shamanic work within the native irish tradition celtic and irish tradition um but it wouldn't have been called shamanic so within the irish tradition the name would probably have been something like ban or farfaza which okay. means wise man or wise woman. So basically it's just like the village kind of tribal healer that would have kind of looked after people's physical, mental and spiritual well-beings. But also on top of that, say the her, you know, like um, especially within the Irish tradition, like, you know, removed curses and did like yeah. land healings and land clearing and you and do house, house clearings and things yeah. like that don't you uh, yeah well house. when you could that's a huge yeah well not at the moment but that's <laughs> Pre- a huge part of my business yeah. well that was but the longest that, sentence ever oh sorry i know i was thinking that how the heck do i do that but um 
and there's a lot more to it than that as well. But on top of that as well, I am also uh, um, ordained priest um, of the Celtic tradition, uh, Celtic Irish pagan tradition. Um, and I'm, a, as you said, I'm a celebrant. So I'm um, qualified or qualified is the wrong word, but I do like legal weddings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like hand fastings and kind of like a lot of which would be outdoors. So a lot of people look for kind of alternatives to the traditional um, church weddings um, and um, and I train a lot of people in, in a, so it's very holistic yeah yeah and you brought long in long story short yeah. it's very holistic I what I what I loved about what you did was you kind of went against the not went against it but when you had qualified with your counselling I think you sort of made it what made it so individual to how you are as a counsellor so you bring yeah. all your modalities in um and I think that's very special I think what, for me again just keeping it really short was that when I I I mean counselling and and psychotherapy is like just everything to me but when I did that um I realized quite quickly that there was something missing mm-hmm. that that kind of it was you know it's very focused on people's mental health which it should be absolutely yeah. should be yeah but I think that always for me a big part of mental health is you know spiritual and and you know um holistic health as well mm. and when I say spiritual I mean that's anything that's spiritual for you I'm not talking about religion I'm talking about so you know connection to spirit and connection to soul and holistic health so that's why bringing the two of them and and there's a lot there's a lot of people like me who are very qualified you know psychologists psychotherapists counselors who are also shamanic practitioners because bringing the two of them together research like proper scientific research has shown that it's a very effective way of treating people in a holistic manner deadly brilliant so we will hopefully we're going to chat to you again about yeah because that could be like a whole uh, yeah series of 10 10 million podcasts (laughs) yeah absolutely um and what we're doing today is talking about the whole weight loss thing and absolutely just because you're I think because you're it's a family thing not a family thing that's that sounds right it's a family affair. our brother would love hear, love to hear that <laughs> yeah um yeah just that's a little side note we do have a younger brother who is like Mr Fitness one two three he's so super fit and healthy and you know um I maybe that's out of fear of ending up like his two three sisters yeah who you know he parents yeah not so much but yeah them as well and but like he would be almost militant about not putting weight on or not getting you know any issues he does have back issues though but that's another story but anyway yeah so I suppose as you quite rightly pointed out before I started recording we started recording um there's no real need to go into major sort of childhood background stuff because I talked about it Becky talked about it so you're sort of you're on just very briefly if you want to if you don't mind if you if you want to just say you've listened to both and you know both um recordings so 
what's your perspective uh, for our childhood yeah childhood absolutely I I would be very much on the page with you um and um I you know I think our parents did a great job of keeping us alive and you know and bringing us up um but it wasn't easy um and I don't think that any children come out of childhood unscathed you know I always say that to all my clients and all my (laughs) you know my friends like our parents are gonna your parents are gonna f you up you know you are gonna f your children up one way or the other um so that's just a given really Mm. it's just a given but um I think that uh definitely there are there were issues around food and and control um in other ways um and mealtimes for me which was probably a bit different to you and Becky were very um very very stressful for me um and I I had a lot of I mean I was always called the fussy eater yeah um and I had a lot of issues around food growing up um anything with lumps in it or anything with there was a lot of stuff around yeah fat and texture and there was a lot of things that I didn't, yeah and I never ate fish and because of the 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 way we did grow up and and you know it was a hard time it was the 80s and you know things were difficult and there wasn't a lot of food and there wasn't a lot of money and there was no waste mm. um and so and there was no like idea of well if you don't like that I'll make you something different you know you ate you ate what was on your plate yeah and that was it um so I and I had a lot of a lot of issues around food and um I even remember at one stage dad sitting me down and having a conversation with me saying that you know cars can't run without petrol and people can't run without food because I wasn't eating um because which is funny now to look back on you know Mm. um uh and I really remember that but I also remember um, how old do you think you were around what sort of age I think I might have been about seven six or seven at that stage you know eight maybe um and yeah and I but I also do remember as well um being made to eat stuff that I made me mm. very sick and you know oh, I remember those running outside and getting yeah. sick and um gagging and gagging and you know um and, and again there's no blame or judgment put no. here I'd say it was a lot the way of it was my generation yeah would say similar mm. um it's funny because Becky spoke about I knew did about going to granny's house and you know her talking about the African children well do you, I don't know if you remember this but I remember it so clearly that I used to push food off the, my plate and hide it under the, like meat, fatty meat and stuff and hide it under the rim oh, of the plate. Vaguely and no. she gave me a glass plate so that I couldn't do that. No. You know those glass plates. Oh, the yes. The sort of the tan, the brown ones. Yeah. I used to push the food and try and hide it under the rim. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Um, so there was a lot of issues around. I had food. actually forgotten that, but I do now that you say it, I have this vivid yeah. image of you with the pieces of fat and stuff under the plate. Yeah. Under the rim of my yeah. place. That's what I used to do. Um, Jesus. and it's not, it was now, I don't think it was much of a surprise to anybody really that I kind of became vegetarian no. kind of in my early teens and I've been vegetarian nearly my whole life, you know, on and off, but most, you know, vast majority of my life but um I think probably then at around 10 or 11 I started putting on a lot of weight you know or weight became more of an issue and foods but food was always and food was always and you spoke about it being a reward and all that sort of stuff yeah I remember and being I remember we used to get be allowed to take three or four sweets from the sweet jar yeah. after if we ate all our dinner after dinner from yeah. the biscuit jar or and yeah. I was I remember I was useless at maths and I remember I'll never forget sitting at one end of the table with mum helping me do my maths homework and dad sitting at the other and for every maths homework question I got wrong he ate one of my sweets and I'd no sweets because I kept getting them wrong you know I i vividly remember that when I look think about it now the trauma of that like just how upsetting it was because I was so it wasn't that I was I don't mean I was afraid to but the the connotations I mean it was reward punishment wasn't it you know but food was used as a reward punishment in you know and it was in many houses it's not just us think of all the houses that you know you'd be given a few bob to go to the corner shop you hear about people talking about that all the time it's not there is no as we both have said and I've said in every single one of when I've talked about my childhood there is no me not trying to blame mom you know at all she mom did fabulous considering she didn't really have a role model as a mother she look at the three wonderful daughters she created and raised you know and I do That's think fun. we're all uh, yeah but I'm talking about the women <laughs> all right okay. us as mothers but I yeah. I do think you know she she did an amazing job and I'm not just saying that because I know she'll be listening to this I you know we've <laughs> we've always said this you know for, yeah, for no, someone totally whose agree. mother died when she was three and she, she was, was four by the way three and a half four yeah okay and she was in a boarding school from the time she was seven oh, she was raised by elderly spinster aunts when you think yeah. about it like I know how amazing she is incredible. as a mother and she really is and the gifts of teaching us how to be mothers you know that's the mm-hmm. other side of it so and I, I always say that she's she is she really is one of the most if not the most caring mm. and loving and oh, generous stop. spirit and just you know people and and you know down to earth and honest and you know wise people that I've ever met in, mm. and it's not just because she's my mother she is and all she's listening to this <laughs> um mom if you're listening you can send me up a packet of sweets <laughs> Yeah, no. And that is, I just, I do have to make a point to that because I don't, you know. It's really hard to talk about these things. It is. And be honest and speak your truth. Yeah. um, And be, be genuine and still, uh, but still with the awareness that it could also hurt 
yeah somebody who or people who might be listening you know yeah. it's and it's a fine line but I think it's still important to be honest and you know and to be congruent <laughs> excuse me you know Look, we have we have had this discussion we've had these chats with mum you know in off camera or off off recording it's it's not like she doesn't know so I don't want you know I'm she didn't ring me sort of really upset after she listened to mine so I think she's happy enough you know that we are able to talk about it and look we're probably effing you know I've effed up my daughter just as much yeah because of my stuff and and you said yourself that you've effed up your daughter uh, your children you know so we're all just doing the best we can exactly and that's all we can do as parents as long as you love your child and you you know you're just doing your best so anyway getting back to it yes definitely uh a trigger it was definitely a trauma that i carried you know and um there was a lot there was a lot there and you know I I'm again I'm kind of against this kind of thing of emotional eating because I think that it kind of gives a certain connotations. Um, I I personally believe that everybody who is overweight is an emotional eater, um, whether they're fully aware of that themselves or not. Um, we had this conversation recently because I'm like you. I don't believe emotional eating is the right term mm. I think eating very to suppress emotions yeah, or absolutely. eating to well then but then as I've said there's eating that's Anna shaking a oh sorry a teaspoon in a glass shaking my thing there's eating to suppress emotions and there's not eating to suppress you know to control emotions and you know it's there's a lot of different aspects to it yeah um anyway whatever you want to call it it has been labeled emotional eating and that's just the way it is so going back to the the i'm I'm gonna bring you back the 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 secret eating secret eating and again you know I, i i think that's very loaded as well but there was there was a lot of control as we've spoken about before put on food right in our house and i'm not saying that we ever went hungry um i i i think i definitely did but that was more because i was such a fussy eater and a lot of the time i didn't want to eat yeah. you know what was there but um i do definitely remember you know um kind of oh well I mean I think one of my big ones I was a reader I always was a reader Mm. like we had a very very active outdoor you know full-on um hard work childhood really hard work upbringing and there was a lot to do we had a lot of animals we had a you know we had a lot of work to do um and but I was a reader and I loved reading and you know that was sometimes seen as a negative thing um, and that was my escape as well. You know, reading was my escape and it still is 100 mm. percent, you know. Um, so I definitely do remember, you know, um, like uh, uh, taking like apples or something and then like a plate of sugar and dipping the apples in the sugar while I was reading my books or, yeah. you know, um, and then the other side of that was as well that 
a lot there was a lot of control put around food because um because there wasn't a lot of it so we didn't have you know we didn't have a, a continuous supply of food so a lot of the time it'd be like nicking you know um raisins that mum would use for making you know cakes yeah. or nicking the the you know the brown sugar that she'd she'd use you know because it was there wasn't really like sweets or or biscuits or although mum I, I do remember mum being a really a really good she used oh, to make cakes and you know and, and yeah all that sort and, of oh stuff God. and there was always a dessert on a Sunday yeah. after dinner um but we never <gasps> really crumble. had mm, <laughs> So I remember yeah. them going shopping and it probably happened more than once, but I, oh, I'll never forget m- making butter icing and just eating it when yeah. they weren't there. Like actually yeah. getting the icing sugar, getting the butter, getting the vanilla yeah. essence yeah. and actually making a load of it and sort of eating it, you know. When I think and I also that, remember, yeah. um, I also remember, uh, like kind of the minute that they would leave mm. running into the kitchen and like making coffee with like 12 <laughs> tablespoons of sugar in it and you know do you remember was, going to and granny's and granny had the coffee mate and we yeah. would be like spooning oh, yeah. spoons of coffee mate I know, <laughs> because it was just such a it was such a real controlled mm. you know but, I, and, but also i've said I've actually said on my, uh, if you remember, one of the things I do remember is like, there was only ever really healthy food. The unhealthy food was like what you're talking about, baking products, but there was never, or like we used to get bars and crisps for our lunchbox, but it would be like a bar and a packet of crisps. Yeah. That I don't was remember the going there being thing. crisps that often, but bars, we used to have yeah. like wafer bars. But like we would be, there would be no chance that we could have the there was never white bread for instance like mom would bake bread and this is what i'm saying we ate very like the food that we were given was very nutritious and really good yeah. food but yeah. like i remember going next door down the over the field i won't name the the family but i remember going to them and they'd have sugar sandwiches on white bread with real yeah. butter and it's just like yeah. oh my god yeah, you know no. it was just yeah. like and never having and then we'd have we'd go to gory and we'd get chips and it would just be such a treat so all that food the bad food was treat yeah yeah and i did i mean i know i did it with my two children and i know you did it you know i know like you went the opposite way though a little bit yeah you were sort of very yeah yeah. i was a bit more kind of i kind of wanted to be a bit more like I did a lot, like I got into the raw and the yeah. raw food and the and you well, like vegetarian, obviously. And, you know, I always tried to make sure that it was healthy snacks and it was more healthy for me. It was more healthy. Um, no, no. Uh, smell, tomato ketchup. Like, <laughs> tomato ketchup? Yeah. I don't remember that. You wouldn't Band. let Ella have remember. tomato ketchup. Really? Yep. I don't remember that. Yeah. Wow, what an awful person I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ella. but like, you know, <laughs> I, know what you, I know, I know what we bring. Uh, whereas I was the opposite. I just had 
the fridge full of stuff I had treats yeah. everywhere and I was just like free for all just you work away kids you know and I was trying to go on the sort of hopefully they would eat naturally but they but saw the all they time, ever they saw was steam, a disordered yeah. per, a yeah. person who had disordered eating you know yeah. um and I was very much like I, I was very much a sort of food was is love and it still is I mean I still mm. cook extra most times for my son mm. so I can give him you know it's my way of showing him love is to yeah. give him and I but I used my daughter as a co-conspirator in secret eating mm. or let's go yeah. and get a cake and you know so yeah. anyway you went through your teens. Back to me, please. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah. So yeah, I went through my teens, and you know, I did have some uh, traumas as well. Um, that obviously I'm not going to go into here, but um, no. you know, some kind of sexual traumas and stuff like that. And I, I, I do know that um, I definitely never really wanted to be attractive. You know. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very, um, it's very hard. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, mixed, you know, um, it's, it's very deep in the subconscious is what I want to say, you know what I mean? Um, so I can see it a lot clearer now, but at the time I definitely did start putting on a lot more weight because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be um stand out and I know mm. you've spoken about that as well and 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 I had some you had some traumas I had some traumas you know different traumas or whatever and um and yeah and basically I it's funny though I mean I have this memory of always being like really overweight and and it's just recently I've I've been doing a lot of clearing out um, especially over the last few months, which we'll get to later. But um, and I came across uh, uh, um, an album of photographs that I took uh, when Becky and me and Gronia went to went up backpacking to Greece and Turkey. Yeah. For summer. Uh, so I think I was about 22, 21. And I think Becky must have been 20. And in my head, I was massive then. And looking back on those pictures, I was like, I, I actually sent them to the two girls and we had a laugh about them, but um, copies of them. But uh, like we we all said, oh, my God, I was like really thin at that mm. time. But in my head, not really thin. I was probably like a 14, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm tall. So yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like five foot. Uh, I'm about five foot eight yeah. and a half. Um, so well, the half is you important. Know, very important. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, a 14, kind of 14 to 16. Yeah. Is like, it's not that overweight, but in my no. head, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was always big. And do you think uh, that was society or how, like, I, touched on that as well about my teens I was always the bigger of my group and actually when I look back I was probably size 14 I actually I remember I was size 14 I know I was because I actually remember going to buy clothes and I was a 14 but everyone all the other girls in my group were like size 8 to 10 and I just had and I was called fat and I was called you know that's how I was bullied so absolutely that was just yeah that's yeah 
And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely and Becky and I, obviously, because there's only a year between us, we grew up together, you know, um, so much so that like our names were kind of melded into one. It was like Ann and Becky, Becky and Anna kind of thing, you know. Um, So and we would have been. From my perspective, I don't know if Becky remembers this, but we were deaf. I was I was bullied hugely through mm. all throughout primary school and secondary school um for being fat and overweight and, and we were, it wasn't just that we were overweight we were different in the part you know we yeah, were different in so in many the community other as well that, our family yeah. was different yeah, like very different everyone else was sort of farming backgrounds or that you know and um, been there for generations yeah and we were the this hippie family that rolled yeah, in and horses and you know yeah. wagons and you know even before that like, though yeah before they I ever know. came along we were still just this weird hippie family you know mm, so exactly. i think that was always that was always there lowen lowen yeah. family yeah um and when i look back now course, they probably were jealous well, of course there was a huge <laughs> there was a huge other uh, difference that you haven't you haven't mentioned which I think was a massive difference was the whole religion because oh, we grew yeah. up in a very rural Catholic um, you know area and we were well we were brought up as Church of Ireland Protestants yeah. and I for me anyway that was a huge other aspect Same, of yeah. that I received I mean I actually remember walking down the street in the village and having mm. stones thrown at me and being called a prostitute because prostitute sounds like Protestant and that's yeah. hilarious to call like an eight-year-old girl, you know, get away, you prostitute. And having stones thrown at us, like mm. and and other kids not being allowed to play with us because because of the religion. And yeah. you know, it was it was ma- there was massive discrimination. Wasn't it you when you started in secondary school that someone said you couldn't pros when you said you were Protestant, they said you couldn't be because Protestants worship the devil and ho- have horns grown out of their heads. Yeah. I'm sure it was you. Yeah. And I yeah. was very same they thing in secondary now. school. I was very segregated. I have a full set of horns. <laughs> yeah. But I was <laughs> I was we were segregated because Absolutely. we went to Catholic schools when yeah. it was time for religion. We had to leave the class. So we really stood out as well. Like yeah. it wasn't and, theology was back then. Oh, as stop. a teenager. I remember. Excruciating. Oh. And actually, I mean, they were was... all just jealous of us getting out of well, religion. I don't know, but I can just say that the oh. trauma is real, you know, yeah. the, the wounds are real, you know, all those things together. Um, and then, you know, being always the biggest as well. The biggest, yeah. you know, the, the biggest. Anyway, I mean, you know. It so you got to your twenties, into your twenties, went to college and finally fa- felt like I was a person when I went to college and, you know, kind of found a kind of a place. I actually, I don't know if you remember this, but um, you probably, well, I'm sure you do, but um, I actually ended up going to boarding school in Dublin yeah. for my last two years. Yeah. And it Things was always hospital. my dream. Yeah. To go to boarding school. Cause of course I was an avid reader and I'd read all the Mallory towers, yeah. and, you know, um, <laughs> what's whatever the other one is I can't remember it now and I just thought boarding school sounded like the most amazing place where people were all pally pally and midnight feasts and all the rest of it so I got to I got to to boarding school 
And I was bullied for being a bloody culty, like, you know, and, and stuck out like a sore, thro- sore thumb for being a country bumpkin. Whereas when I was in school in the tech in Kilmockridge, I was bullied for being a snob because I was quite well spoken and, you know, red, and well read. the connotation of being Protestant as exactly. well. Exactly. So I never fit in. And then I went to college and finally I did fit in a lot better. And, you know, um, but again, I always felt like I was massive. And even then, looking back, I wasn't, you no. know, but I always felt like I was. I was, you know, um, and I ended up uh, after college, I, I graduated with a degree in international marketing and um, I went I, I went to Spain for a year um, to work as an English teacher and then went ended up going to Italy for four years to work as an English teacher. Um, and then while I was in Italy, I met my hus- husband, not in Italy, but while I was living in Italy, I was visiting my Becky, our sister in Turkey, and I met my my ex-husband then. Um, and again, I would say I was probably when I first met him, I was probably like a 16 to 18, you know, mm. um, maybe kind of 18, 18 ish, you know, which again, isn't isn't that big. But um, our relationship was very toxic and very, um, yeah. And I put on a lot of weight after that time. And you got pregnant as well. And I got pregnant um, and I suffered from severe postnatal depression. Yeah. So by the time Ella was about two or three, um, I was probably in about a 20 size 26 Mm. So I really did put on a huge amount of weight over those few years, you know, during my, 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 and I was very, very unhappy and very, very, oh, I mean, my mental health was at rock bottom. I was so low. Yeah, I remember. Um, And, you know, I was really low. I mean, almost as low. I was suicidal at times. I really was. It was an awful time. Um, And then, uh, he ended up he left me um he'd already checked out of the marriage anyway quite some time beforehand and it was quite a toxic abusive uh, situation um and he left when Ella was about one year old um so in 2004 and after that time I was very very low um mental health and you know I severe postnatal depression money was very tight and I put on a lot of weight um and I think I was thinking about it today, kind of in preparation. I think it was, a, and and I think it was. So, were you comfort eating? The, at I that was stage? just eating. Yeah, I was just eating, you know, to push down emotions. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was, but I was just, I was just, I was so unhappy. But you were real. So, you were still time, quite a secret realize. eater, you know. I think even up to this I don't, last year. I don't year. think so. I don't think so. I was. I don't think I was that much of a secret eater. I was just eating a lot. You, you know? used to even eat huge portions. Portion. I was yeah, exactly. always like yeah, huge, amazed huge amount. at yeah. how much you could put in. I don't even think, I, I don't think that I was, I think I was a secret eater as a child. But as an adult, I don't think I was that much of a secret eater. I just ate a lot all the time. Mm. But I wasn't hiding it really as such, you know. But don't forget, I was on my own most of the time as well. Um, yeah. And I was, I, I, won't, I, I honestly don't think that I was secret eating. 
I think I was more secret eating as a child. Um, yeah, but like say I just was eating a lot. Say when you were came home, for instance, I think you would be still secret eating. You'd have food in your bedroom and stuff. No. Oh. No. Okay. No, I mean, I might have, but I don't think I was hiding it. You know, I wasn't hiding it. Do you know what I mean? Right. I was I was eating it. I was eating yeah. it openly. I was eating, I was eating huge amounts. Mm. I got very overweight. Very, very overweight, you know. Um, so you ended up moving back to Wexford. Well, just before briefly. that, um, when I was still in Cork, yeah. Um, when Ella was about three, I yeah, I was I was really, really overweight, as I said, and I I decided to try the Cambridge diet. So that was my first kind of um, I kind of done like cabbage soup. And I used I used to love the cabbage soup diet, actually, because I'd, <laughs> I'd be able to lose like a stone in a week, you know, and then put on a stone and a half the week after. But anyway, um, so I decided to try the Cambridge diet, which is the soup and the shakes. Was that and, in Cork? I thought you'd yeah, moved back by then. No, That's I was mad. still in Cork at that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that was just amazing because I lost so much weight. Oh my so God, quickly. I remember the yeah. first week of being on it i lost 16 pounds Jeez. you know and then a dream I, and oh yeah and it was it was like a drug yeah you know, the weight was but it was very hard you were buzzing as long as I was, oh as long as i wasn't eating i was mm. fine you know um and because that's then, it you removed yeah all my food my and that was yeah. how why it worked because you were able Absolutely. to you know literally remove a whole that yeah. real food yeah absolutely. and that's what and you were just so focused I remember how focused you were you oh know? I was so full and that lasted about four months and eventually you do have to start introducing food and it's yeah. usually like really like you have one meal a day no carbs really light or whatever but as soon as I started eating again that's when I think I lost like you know over four stone say in four months yeah, like yeah. you know and um and it was amazing uh, but I did start eating again and once I started eating again that was it I lost it I was still kind of maintain and then I moved back to Wexford and I remember um I couldn't I couldn't get back into that buzz again of being did back on the Cambridge I tried you so many again? times yeah I did I tried a couple of times I tried yeah. to get back onto it, yeah, but I never was able. I do it for a week or two, and yeah. I kind of have a little cheat. You know, I might have, you know, you and did then Herbalife as well, didn't you? I remember you and yeah, your but friend. not in the same way. No, not in the same way. No, no, like, not in the same way. But I remember yeah, you going Cambridge for me was, you know, and and I remember then we all after coming off Cambridge I think we went to Unislim that was when stuff. the four of us went you yeah, and, and then and we Becky. lost more weight yeah and then I remember stopping Unislim and yeah. I remember you and me particular doing like South Beach diet yeah mum and, and dad remember, as well yeah and I remember losing a bit more weight on that and I think that was the lowest I've ever been as an adult right um and then I started, I don't know, I don't know why, but we kind of all lost focus or something on that. And it just, you know, and then I started putting weight back on again. 
Mm. And since I think that must have been, pro, pro, and in the meantime, I'd moved back to Wexford and everything. And then we did try going back to Uni Slim and going yeah. Weight Watchers, all of us together. But, but then Slimming never, World arrived. And yeah, never. Actually, I, I think never, you'd moved up to Athlone then, hadn't you? No. Um, I remember you talking in your podcast about the Slimming World thing. And yeah. I remember I was on the Minimins website yes. as well. And yeah. we were so, we were so, like, I remember us both being so excited about Slimming was Slimming War was going to answer all our questions and be the, you know, and we were yeah. so, and it was just the same as, you know, really the other, yeah. but it was going to be our life. You were you know? like me, weren't you? Because you, I, I talked slightly about it, about the subconscious mind and the word free. Oh, the free. And you mm. were the same. I remember you saying to me, Oh my God, I can eat pasta and potato. You know, you're a real pasta girl anyway. You're oh my God. Pa- yeah. And and pizzas carbs, and stuff. Bread. Yeah. Pizza, carbs, bread. Yeah. And cheese. <laughs> See, that's why I don't think I'm I ever was really much of a secret eater because I've never really been like a sweetie, cakey, biscuit, biscuity person, you know. Right. For me, it's always really been the pasta and the Savory. you know the the savory and right. you know like i i'd never really eat biscuits we yeah. never have biscuits in the house here sweets it's funny because I, mean, I can't have biscuits in the house because it, i would sit down and eat half a pack and then feel really yeah. ill so yeah. i don't buy them or if i do there's biscuits i don't like you know yeah. if i, I, I remember buy that. <laughs> But um, like I could eat a plate of pasta for six people, do you know. What but I, mean? I remember or, you saying that six, but, you'd done you know. Slimming World for a couple of weeks, and I remember you saying, "Oh, it's not working. It's not working." And I, I think it was the pasta. It was the free pasta because you would have it on your plate, and you might have had your third, but it was a big plate, and you, you know, I think you're. You were like me, a food manipulator, you know, a plan manipulator. Oh, 100%. So, 100%. And I've admitted to that, like any plans 100%. where you've got yeah. the tub of quark that's probably yeah. 300 calories. And I would, you know, that's a free food. You've like the plan has told Never me it's free. Quark, quark, no, I know you quark, didn't. Quark. But, no, but for me. You know, I know, I know. A hundred, oh, definitely. And cheese. Yeah, you're right about cheese. Absolutely. <laughs> cheese, so, bread, yeah. pasta pizza my, I could live I, I could have lived off them for the rest of my life yeah. except I wouldn't have because I would have died but anyway so um, you yeah. had your injury that will oh yeah up to so that. yeah move, and then and then of course in the meantime I moved to and I fell in love with a man and a bogger well he's from Dublin actually but um, oh yeah well he, li- am, but he, lives he is in really West, a bogger West off <laughs> I mean yeah, hundred uh, percent. Westmeath and moved to Westmeath um, eight years ago, and at that time I had actually I was kind of I was back on track again mm. for whatever reason I can't really remember, but I remember being in a size twenty when I met Steve. Right, I remember clearly. I was, and after we met as well. Um, sorry, I keep. I don't know if that's coming through. I keep banging the mic, but okay. um, um, after we met, I also kind of kept on with the weight loss for a while. Yeah. And and then I got pregnant quite early on in the relationship and had a miscarriage, and that really knocked me off track. And there was also some issues with us relationship wise as well that obviously I'm not going to go into that really were very 
very difficult during the, our kind of the, the start of our relationship mm. and all of that again the emotional stuff started coming up for me again you know mm. and I started putting on weight a lot of weight again um and as I said I moved to I moved to Westmead then um eight years ago and uh um two years after we'd met and um <clears throat> And then in 2015, um, I, in January 2015, 15, 16, 18, yeah, January 2015, I sustained a serious injury to my neck mm. and I, I damaged my spine. Um, I put a disc out in my neck with, um, sp- which, with spinal damage to my spinal cord. And um, I was in extreme, extreme pain. Um, I should have had surgery straight away for that. But unfortunately, because of the health system we have in Ireland, Mm. um, it took them four years to to do this urgent surgery during which time. You were referred to Beaumont, weren't you? And you were told... you yeah. were on the urgent list, but you'd never get to have the surgery because there was always people who had like tumors and stuff that exactly. were more urgent than you. I wasn't going to die. Yeah. But I was told that I could be made, I could become um, paralyzed at any minute. Yeah. I could move in a certain way or I could, you know, or I could, and, and this, and it would just impact my spine in a yeah. certain way and I'd become paralyzed and yeah. I lived with that fear, but also I I was also diagnosed with fibromyalgia and some other issues and um my my physical health just degenerated mm. so rapidly and this is just one thing that I would like to say at this time as well like I have all as a you know as we've discussed I've always been big um sometimes not quite as big as I thought I was and probably at other times bigger than I thought I was as well you know (laughs) um a lot bigger than I thought I was but I was always confident yeah you were and outgoing and you know and and I always said that I was and I was always healthy Mm. you know to a certain extent I was obviously you know and I was active and I was and I was always, you know, well, F the begrudgers. I am yeah. what I am. I am who I am. I don't care. I'm happy. And, big you know, this beautiful. Thing, you were actually. Big is beautiful. You, exactly. You really were a big is beautiful girl. proponent yeah. for 100%, it. 100%. You felt 100%. very sex, sexy as you were. And you'd know. <laughs> I was so sexualized, no. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> no, but I absolutely. I remember 100%. being. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Pro- no. uh, even though I had all that other stuff as well going mm. on, I also had that. You know, I also did feel I was. Yeah. Oh, I was good with what I was until I wasn't anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was like, you know, that thing of healthy at any size was, you know, I was fat and healthy mm. until I wasn't anymore, and my decline went down so rapidly since yeah. since 2015, and it got to the point then where. I last say last summer, um, I was on a walking stick, yeah. Um, taking like bucket loads of painkillers a day, you know, a nice little codeine dependency going because I was mm. in so much pain constantly, 
Oh, I had. Oh, yeah, I had the neck surgery then in twenty in in February twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, twenty nineteen, and um, and unfortunately, because it it had it had been left so long, it didn't help my condition. So, um, it did in a way, but it kind of caused other problems, and I yeah. still have tremendous nerve damage. I still have a huge amount of pain, and also it had caused like other spinal issues. And my lack of mobility had caused massive issues and massive weight gain. Mm. Um, and it got to the point then where last summer um, I, you know, I was like, as I said, I was on it. I was on it. I couldn't walk for longer than five minutes without being in excruciating pain. Mm. I was using a, I was using a walking stick to get around. I couldn't stand. I couldn't do simple things like, you know, wash up or cook. I was living off bread and cheese because I couldn't cook. You know, I was depending on my daughter, my teenage. I mean, it just breaks my heart saying all this well, to I, do simple, simple things for me. You know, she. I was so dependent upon her. And I, I remember actually saying that about that was my biggest worry that you were going to end up in a wheelchair and Ella would be your care. I was going to end up in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, on the on the 3rd of July. I went to hospital. My doctor sent me to see a specialist yeah. and he just, he decided to keep me in on the, and it was actually her birthday on the 3rd of July. Mm. And I went into hospital and he kept me in for a week and I got a full spine MRI and I got all, and you know, I got all of the, the tests done. And basically they said to me that, you know, there was significant damage to my spine, um, significant wear and tear. I had a bulging you'd disc also, in my... I was going to say you'd also developed lower back issues. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Knee, yeah. knees, body pain. You know, the fibromyalgia is no joke either, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and high blood, high blood, controlled high blood pressure, but taking three tablets a day to control it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, so... I mean, I was just, and my mental health was just, you know, because of, because of all the the physical and how down I was, you know, I was about everything, and it was just, it was a really low point mm. in my life. We um, were very worried about you as a family. I know, I was very you know, worried. We really about were, but yeah. there was no, there was nothing anybody could do. No, well, there was, but yeah, know, but I mean, like. I will say it to you now. I think you definitely had, there was definitely, maybe you didn't, but to us and to the people around you, you it seemed like you were in denial, absolute denial about the weight side of it, I suppose, and the, the impact on your physicality. I wasn't in denial about it. You were to There's us. nothing I could do about it. Yeah, but to us you were, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe to you. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't mm. in my head. I wasn't, mm. you know, um, in my head. I knew I was, you know, I knew I was. Oh, I, there was just nothing I could do about I it. I know. You know, I was just struggling so much with being in constant, severe pain. And do you and think I, there is. A, sorry to interrupt you. No, I'm just. Okay. Do you think there is a stage that a person gets to where. 
in inverted commas, trying to lose the weight themselves is just, it's too big a mountain. 100%. Excuse the, the pun, but too big a mountain to climb, you know. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean you're I mean, you're as I said you're a very wise woman you're a very learned woman you, about the psychology and about you know how people's minds work so you have that little side that you have that you know that um knowledge is, is that the right word but so yeah wisdom. do you Let's think call it wisdom you know wisdom, Let's yeah. call it what it is. <laughs> so you <laughs> you know there know. does get to yeah. a point I didn't care I just mm. didn't care. I was just, I, I mean. But you did care. I, don't, I know, well, just let me finish. I Sorry. know that you were all worried about me. <laughs> all right, yeah. But to be honest, and I'm not going to, you know, it was a lot worse than anybody even knew mm. that you, you, you know, I was still hiding, you know. Uh, so I was still, I'd say probably Ella is the only person who knows how bad my daughter mm. I really was you know I, I was still hiding a huge so much of what I was really going through I don't think you I, did it very well to be honest I think we <laughs> did really know you might okay. think you were hiding it but yeah, in the background yeah. there were numerous conversations I'm sure about what could I'm any sure. one of us do and it always ended up but it's Anna <laughs> You know, and I, you know, and and I didn't feel like there was anything I could do. No, I know like that. There was days when I literally couldn't, I, I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't yeah. get out of bed because I couldn't get out of bed, you know. Mm. And and as I, I mean, I had, I had to have a, a you know, a, a stool in the shower. I couldn't stand up to, sh to clean myself, you know. Mm. I, it was bad. It was mm. really bad. And they basically told me, in the, when I was in hospital that I was probably going to, you know, it was going to be sooner rather than later that I was going to be in a wheelchair, you know, um, they changed all my, um, they were talking about MS and they changed all my, um, med, they changed all my meds. They took me off a lot of the codeine, which I was really glad about because, you know, codeine is such a really great painkiller. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's not it's not the nicest thing to be taking a lot of and I was no, very worried you need more and more about, and more well yeah but I wasn't taking no. more and more and more I was on a very stable dose but it's a fine line it is we it all is. know and that very, you know that's one yeah and it's one thing that I was very I, I'd be honest I was very aware of you know mm. and I was always on top of and control of not you know taking overdoing one extra the codeine. Yeah. and I yeah. to be yeah and to be honest I probably took less than I should have and I was yeah, in more exactly. pain than I like I never I took about half of what I was um prescribed because I just didn't mm. want to be taking as much but I had to take it as well because yeah. it was the only thing and I was I know I was anyway, the same um yeah I, I just know. I was talking to I PJ know. actually earlier um, saying that I remember when I had the feet pain and I remember I took more mm. brufen than well, was yeah. tramadol the first time around because I was afraid of getting reliant on yeah. the codeine, whereas the brufen Absolutely. probably messed up my stomach more than. Well, the, yeah, that's it. Tramadol. I remember going to the doctor one stage and I was taking brufen and he was like, OK, I'm going to take you off the brufen and up mm. your codeine because, 
now we know these new studies, you know, that was a few years ago, these new studies have come out and, and shown how, how dangerous proofing is for your kidneys and your liver, you know? Yeah. So I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't, yeah. because it was either take more codeine and down with, anyway, look, at anyway, I was, yeah. I was bad. Yeah. So I That was had, sort of July. That was July the 3rd. Yeah, I was in hospital for a week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 2020. And obviously COVID had struck in March, but the situation in Ireland was a lot like it was everything had opened up that summer. Yeah. You know, the cases were very like we Far had like six cases a day or whatever. What? Apart from, from the, the pubs, pubs. yeah. <laughs> we had like six cases a day at that stage. You know, there yeah. was really maybe 18 cases or whatever. Things were really like cold or COVID, cold. I was going to say coding. COVID had <laughs> really kind of alleviated at that time you know yeah and um I had there was somebody that I was I was talking to who had told me that um she um she was going abroad for weight loss surgery mm. one of the doctors sorry I'll just go one of the doctors can I just hospital. preempt what you're about to say yeah. about the conversation you and I had about Becky when she went for her surgery Hmm. before she had it how we were so anti it and we were oh, so yeah. and I feel we so, so bad about that so now. do I we were so critical and sort of up on our high horse and you know how could she do it she lost all that sp- you know. I've had to apologize also oh, have I really like yeah novel. <laughs> I have as well and I didn't go yeah. there but I mean I remember us being so militant about it I think it was a bit of jealousy as well yeah oh definitely you know there was sort of definitely because I knew that it would never be an option for me, you know, yeah. and, and the NHS was so open about it at that yeah. time, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the doctors in the hospital who saw me, he was a really nice man, actually. And obviously, we all know it's well documented that if you're overweight or fat or obese or clinically obese or morbidly obese, whatever you want to call it, if you ha- if you go into hospital with a sore nose. Yeah it's because you're overweight or obese you know so I was I was so used to just being told your guard was probably up as well was it well yeah you do get defensive yeah you do of course you do yeah Yeah. of course you do so but this one doctor he was quite you know and he was you know and I and my way of dealing with that kind of thing is to be like I know it's my weight you know (laughs) say before they do do you know what I mean yeah um so um this one doctor anyway, and he he was quite overweight himself, actually. But he kind of said to me, look, you know, um, like myself, you know, if you lost weight, it would help with it. It'd help with a lot of these issues. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, because I'd really I'd lost hope. Yeah, I'd lost, I was honestly just I'll say I was waiting to die at that stage. You know, I was yeah. in so much pain and I was just, you know, oh. um, my life had reduced to a pinpoint you know, mm. and all I could see, I couldn't see any any future. You know, it was just pain and immobility and fatness. Mm. You know, and um, anyway, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I was, I was at that stage. By the way, at this stage, I was on disability allowance mm. as well. You know, and um, and you know, some other traumas that happened around my work and stuff. And but I was still seeing maybe one client a week, two clients a week, just because I wanted to kind of keep my toe on the water. And and they were people that I had 
long-term clients you yeah know? so I was yeah. kind of had a good relationship with anyway um <clears throat> so this one person that I knew at that time had said to me that she was going abroad for weight loss surgery and I kind of went oh Jesus you know what's that like you know because we all have this kind of image in our head that mm. going abroad for weight loss surgery and kind of having it done and by a butcher down a back alley and coming <laughs> back and you know having to kind of like you know pick up the pieces or whatever but you know, she, she, she spoke to me about it and I was like, oh yeah, whatever. So I kind of thought, well, I wonder about weight loss surgery, you know? And so I went to my doctor and I said it to her and a lot of doctors, believe it or not, in this day and age are still re- in Ireland are still really like can be really against it. Yeah. But my doctor is, and by the way, my doctor is amazing. She is just amazing. And she said to me, oh, she said, that's a really good idea. Um, and, and she said, look, I'm going to refer you to Galway. To, there's a really you know there's a barrier because at that time I had to, I had remembered speaking to mom about it like months yeah. beforehand and she had said to me what's that place the other place what's the place that does it well we had actually set that up yeah for her to have okay. that conversation with oh you. yeah Lachlanstown. Okay. what's Lachlanstown? Yeah. yeah and I had heard I had kind of got done a bit of um research into it and I'd heard that the waiting list was yeah, very long crazy. yeah and Something so like my 10 years yeah 11, 11 years yeah. I heard yeah. yeah and um so I said it to my doctor and she said oh yeah she said um uh, because I live in the Midlands and she said said I refer you to Galway mm. and I was like oh they're doing it in Galway too and she was like oh yeah yeah and she said there's a really nice surgeon who does it there in bariatric team um so I said great and then I kind of went online and went on a few forums and I saw that the waiting lists are not quite as long as Lachlanstown, but you'd still be looking at maybe seven or eight years. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I can't do that. So, um, and then, you know, this, this client or this person was talking to me about, um, uh, about uh, going abroad for surgery. And I just kind of, my first, you know, we all have this kind of like, definitely this this kind of bias in our heads yeah of course people who go abroad for surgery or any whatever. sort of surgery especially kind of cause and i'm doing yeah air quote, cosmetic surgery you know um so she kind of told me about it a bit and and um and then i she gave me the website and i looked it up and i was like oh my god this actually looks really amazing and uh and and um and i started looking into it Mm. and I and I found out that um no she went this client this person went to Lithuania and um and uh I um I started looking into it and I found out that the Baltics are actually considered like centers of excellence for surgery Mm. you know for a lot of different surgeries and that they're doing um they're using techniques that we don't even we haven't even heard of here in Ireland and you know they're they're just like so I kind of thought, well, oh, my God, well, could this be an option for me? You know, <laughs> so I started looking into it and doing a bit of research. And eventually, anyway, I came across this one clinic um, in in Latvia, which had like incredibly high ratings. Um, weight loss Latvia, it's called um, like perfect six out of six kind of stars on all the website, you know, there's there's like ratemyclinic.com websites and you know yeah. um and and this one place had um and, and I contacted I, I actually did a spreadsheet on my computer and I contacted about 
I think it was 25 different clinics. Oh my God. Um, and I got all, well, you know me, when I yes. have something in my head, yeah. I research the yeah. Yeah. out of it. You know, I don't want to curse on your, on your podcast. It's fine. But, um, okay, I researched the shit out of things. Yeah, you so do. I had the spreadsheet, spreadsheet, <laughs> spreadsheet <laughs> on my computer. And I had all the different, you know, cost and, and, you know, surgery stars and, and, you know, um, cost of flights, length of time to get there and, and duration of stay and the type of, I, I mean, there was about 15 different, you know, parameters and, uh, and, and I contacted them all and they all got back to me. And this one, anyway, this one particular one in Latvia, um, I, I really, she, this one woman, she got back to me straight away and I really clicked with her and she was so nice and so helpful. And it was a really good price and everything. And as I said, they had amazing, um, they had amazing reviews. And, um, and then I found out that there's actually a, a, um, a HSE um, uh program called the cross-border directive which had been mentioned to me when I was getting my spine about my spinal surgery but at that time it was UK based yeah and um and obviously UK isn't in the EU anymore but like you pay for the surgery yourself up front and then you can come back and claim you know when the waiting lists are really long and claim mm. it um from the HSE but when I was going for my surgery my next spine surgery it was like 21 grand and I you Jesus. know I didn't have that yeah but the surgery in the weight loss surgery in Latvia was coming out at 5,380 euros mm. and I priced obviously just out of interest I priced it to go privately in Ireland and you'd be probably looking at about 18,000 euros yeah. to get it done probably yeah. now I've since found out that there is another place that does it a bit cheaper but that's what you probably be looking at Over and still yeah. probably about a year waiting list anyway yeah. you know what I mean yeah so um but the only thing with the cross-border directive is that you have to travel in advance to to do a consultation in person right so this all happened in July in August I went to Latvia with Ella um, for a week and we had a little holiday. Now, don't forget the COVID was very much, um, and you know, a, a non-runner at that time. Mm. Um, it, the, whole, the whole situation had really quietened down and, you know, traveling. Latvia, Latvia. I remember you said there was very little even. Oh, I think there was like one case in Latvia or something, the whole yeah. country, you know. And in Ireland, it was still, but we still had to wear masks all the time and be really careful. And, yeah. And, you know, um, but we went for a little week's holiday. I met the, I, I went for a consultation. I met the surgeon, went to the hospital, which, by the way, is a private hospital in the middle of a fairy tale forest, <laughs> like something out of a Bavarian fairy tale, you know, on uh, with castles. Latvia is one of the most beautiful countries yeah. I've ever been to in my life. I PJ know and I, I, I know I told Baltics, you. Yeah. We were meant to go to oh, Riga and yeah, Riga my father died. To. Yeah. Incredible. We should yeah. go. We, we should go there sometime. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is so beautiful. And the people are so oh. nice. But anyway, went, met the surgeon, got approved for surgery, um, came back, had a little holiday with Ella, hobbled around on my cane, you know, um, came back. And three weeks later, I went over again 
Um, and I, by that time, I'd lost just over a stone because I had to lose some weight beforehand yeah, liver for shrink. the liver reduction. Yeah. Um, and on the 4th of September, I had a, a full bypass. Right. And um, so Ella came with me. Um, I flew over and had the bypass. Um, and then I stayed in hospital for a week. And as I said, this is a pride, like, I have never seen anything like this hospital you could have literally eaten your dinner sure. off the floor um and the service and the just the expertise and the professionalism were just out of this world out of this world and um i flew back i was there i think i was there for six days six days altogether we had there was an extra day on it because you had to do a covid test as well before you when you when you first arrived yeah. um and flew back and um yeah and that was uh six months to six months this friday um so I, I, i'm very aware of time here I know. i'm not Sorry, trying to rush you and I know it's fascinating and i'm fascinated like i was talking to becky but um it, it's funny because yours and becky's stories are so different but you did actually had the same thing done you both had yeah. the bypass yeah you both had you know but like whereas Becky had two years to sort of mentally prepare for it and being yeah. prepared <laughs> for it weeks. you literally <laughs> and I think that took its toll on you post-surgery didn't it you were in a, um, it took you the six weeks for your brain to actually you were not good mentally for the first I'd no, say six weeks I wouldn't say so at all, to be honest. I would say that I really struggled physically. I had a lot of, I, I definitely had a lot of... Um, I think you had mentalists. I mean, you, like Becky, I remember Becky saying she different. was never hungry and you woke up hungry almost and you were surprised oh, at that, yeah, but that, that hunger. that can and, happen. I yeah. don't think it was because I didn't have... But okay. having said that, um, I know that mum, when I was going through like the difficult times, mom, our mother is a real uh, diary keeper. Yeah. And she had looked back on her diary because she was there with Becky when she had hers. And she had noted that Becky was hungry a lot of the oh, time. Really? The weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> As well. Right. So I think Becky probably um, doesn't maybe remember that, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, one of the things that really shocked me was that I came around from surgery and felt starving <laughs> and I had had this idea that I would wake up from the surgery and I'd never feel hungry again kind of thing you know yeah and I really did struggle with hunger for say the first three weeks I was hungry a lot, and I and that really shocked me because I was I mean effectively you're starving and your body is going to react that you're starving Absolutely. and it's going to try and make do everything that, that it yeah. can to make you eat you know yeah so I was literally drinking like for the first five days, it's water only. Yeah. Water yeah. only. And you even struggle with that. Mm. And then you go on to like juices and then you go on, you know, and then you go on to like soups and then it's, you know, um, mashed food. And then it's like um, soft foods, you know, and then yeah. it's kind of like um, just you kind of very, very slowly start introducing. I mean, it's been really hard. Really you're, but you are still in the honeymoon period so to speak because you're still getting yeah. your weight losses and everything yeah it does you do get stalls and yeah you get like you know I've had like you know and with me I kind of 
I have like had, you know, weeks where I might have like a one or two pound gain. And yeah. then maybe the next, that's happened twice. And then maybe the next week you'll kind of lose like seven pounds or something. You know what I mean? So, um, and usually it's to do with the time of the month as well. That can have a big impact. Yeah, and, water. You know, and... I'm 48. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> things aren't going to be happening as fast. You're probably perimenopausal happen. at this stage anyway, you know. So your hormones are going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I know I was. It hasn't been easy. It no. really hasn't been easy. Um, and I've had, you know, I've had, it's been, the mental side of it has been difficult. Mm. Definitely has been difficult. You I'm knew that. But you I said that a- though. I remember you, that was one of your biggest fears was yeah. the mental side of it. That, Absolutely. You know, you've got the buzz of losing the weight and feeling better and everything. But I remember you saying, because of, as you've admitted, the research in you, the researcher in you, you knew that people had experienced sort of, you know, have like, what do you do without food? You've got yeah. to deal with that side. Absolutely. What, who are you without that? And yeah. the weight loss. Who are you with this new identity? Absolutely. You know, and, and especially for anybody who and I have mentioned this and mm. I know you mentioned it, who has who had you who had maybe had some sexual trauma and had maybe used what, you know, being bigger as a way to kind of like cover up and mm. you know there's a big element of self-sabotage when you start losing a lot of weight, you yeah. know, you start suddenly be, and may, like, maybe you're not being, you know, interesting to the opposite sex, you know what I mean? I don't, but there is, your head starts kind of going, Oh shit. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so it, it is, it, it's, it's been really hard and I have had some physical issues and I do struggle, you know, there are stuff, there is still stuff mm. and it's still as very early. I mean, Becky's like two and a half years out. I'm not even six months out. No, you know? exactly. Um, so it, it is still kind of early days for me. Um, but I, I mean, but tell everyone that, about the walking. Well, I mean, like, as I said, I couldn't walk hundred no. meters you know, but sure i remember we met when the jazz ago. cork jazz festival and your friend mel was over from italy do you remember we met for the meal and we said afterwards yeah. we said we go for a walk around the park and you just couldn't yeah. you you sat in no. your car i had mm. and i literally i physically couldn't mm. the pain was just and i would have a very high threshold for pain because mm. i have i'm in a lot of pain so now anyway um i mean i walked 7k yeah. Uh, you know two weeks ago i walked 7k you know Mental. oh yeah i was tired and a bit sore yeah you know? and I, as I anyone still is have, <laughs> i still have a lot of pain a mm. lot of pain and i still really do struggle and i still have all the issues that i had before like i still have damage to my to my yeah. spine and to my knees and i still have the bulging day i still have a lot of nerve damage you know and i still have neck and shoulder pain but having said that, everything is easier with, I haven't said how much weight I've lost in six months. So, you know, as of say, I haven't weighed myself this week, but say as of this week, I've lost 95 pounds as of oh last God. week, I've lost, which is nearly seven stone, you know. Um, how now amazing. I still have, I still have, you know, a lot, a good bit to lose. I still have a, a good bit that I want to lose, but I mean, everything is easier mm. with, you know, seven stone gone. Like, 
even even though I'm still in pain and I I struggle a lot with that and I still have fibromyalgia and you know but just life is easier everything in life is easier everything you know um and I I really feel like I saved my life and that is not an over exaggeration or or an over dramatization yeah you know I, I I saved my life I agree. Because I think you did. I don't as well. know where I don't know where I'd be now, six months on from no. where I was that that when I was in hospital that time, you know. Um so I mean it, can I just say sorry, I'm interrupting I you. I can here. cut my own toenails, <laughs> you know, I can I can <laughs> I can wash my hair standing up, you know, I can walk seven K. Yeah. I can I can see my knees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, and I'm I'm wearing clothes that I haven't worn for ten, you know, fifteen years. You know, Anna, and it's really funny. I just want to say it's really funny because Anna has always kept all her clothes over the years, <laughs> and we've always been like, "Don't keep them, don't keep them." And yeah, now she's yeah. rediscovering her spirit. Oh my god, her nineties wardrobe. By the way, yeah, <laughs> Ella's so embarrassed. She's like, "I'm like, oh my god, this fits," and she said, "That doesn't mean you have to wear it." <laughs> Just because it fits, you don't have to wear it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like, God. I'm wearing it. I'm wearing it. <laughs> so but, you're um, still only, yeah. I mean, really, you're still like the first year is the big one, isn't it? So you're still very, only halfway through the first year. So you're still only eating small portions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned this to Becky in that I've hmm. seen the portion she eats now and what she eats. And yeah. she would eat sort of what I would call normal portions normal you know? smallish say yeah smallish, small like yeah yeah sort of so but you're way way oh, away yeah. from that still aren't you yeah yeah i'm you know although i saw something you'd eaten recently you were talking we were on a whatsapp call and i was quite not amazed i was like oh my god that's bigger than i thought you could eat you know i'm mm. not saying you shouldn't it depends you know. on it depends very much like some days I could eat more and other days I wouldn't be able to eat like half a boiled egg. You know what I yeah. mean? It really does like it's very up and down. Now, I have struggled a lot with with with, you know, with physical stuff. Yeah, really digestive have. stuff. Yeah, I really have. Um, And, you know. I don't enjoy food anymore, really, as much as I used to. You know, I don't really like a lot of things that I loved just don't taste the same anymore. And and when you're eating something and, you know, it doesn't really go down very well, then you kind of just like I don't really enjoy eating anymore and I don't really enjoy food anymore, you know, but that does that that make you feel sad? It does. Yeah, it, it does make me feel really sad, but it also has brought with it a, a real sense of freedom. Yeah, well. I bet. Double-edged sword. <gasps> That's what I mean. It it's like... Double-edged sword. Coming from... I remember us being so worried about Becky at Christmas dinner after she... The first year after she'd had her surgery. Yeah. And we were all like, oh my God, she's not going to be able to enjoy, you know, our yeah. family occasions because yeah. when we all get together, it's all about the food and the big dinner and we all yeah. bring a bit. And we were, I was, I remember thinking, I, I was, I was stressing about the fact that she just wouldn't be able to sit and enjoy food with us anymore, you know? And I suppose I see that she does now again. So I suppose mm. I, 
you know, I foresee that coming around yeah. for you, maybe. And, but you were never a huge example, lover of food. No, I mean, I you never got... plan food. I never like you. Like, it's so funny in the times when we used to be able to do this, but you or mm. mom would come. Yeah. And you'd be like, what are we having for dinner? And I'd yeah. be like, I don't know. I don't know. I know. What do you want? That, and, and you'd be like, well, like you plan days in advance. Yeah. And, you know, and, you're, and I'm like, 10 minutes beforehand opening the fridge and going well you know I suppose I could make an omelette you know there's I remember eggs. coming up and staying with you and <laughs> like I I'd have my lunch and then I'd be like right you know what when are we getting what are we having for dinner yeah. and like you're hungry already and, like, yeah. and that was before you had your surgery like yeah but then no this is this is what I'm talking about yeah. before I have my surgery yeah I've never really been you know which is probably a bad thing because I just then put on like you're a big, grazer, you know, massive. No, not so, no, like I just throw. Like oh yeah, half a bag of pasta into yeah. a bowl and smother it in cheese. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, rather than actually taking the time to plan and nurture myself, and you know, yeah. so it is very freeing, I have to say. But you actually touched off something there about Christmas. Um, oh yeah. It actually Christmas really something like Christmas really bothered me because one of the things that I've always really looked forward to about Christmas was the big kind of nice Christmas dinner. Mm. And, you know, I just wasn't able to do that. And that did kind of it did. It did kind of like bother the psychological me, side of that. Yeah, it, that was yeah. totally psychological. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I just felt like it wasn't Christmas and that I didn't have a good Christmas because I wasn't able to enjoy my Christmas dinner, you know. Um, and then, that's so sad to, it's so sad really to hear but then but it was tied just, up with covid as well don't forget yeah, not exactly. being able to get yeah. together with not family with family so it would have been you know, a totally different yeah yeah um and also it's good to be aware of these things you know and to have you know awareness of of what's going on in your head but um yeah it, it is like it is hard you know and and it is psychological and i still eat far i still eat far too fast mm. you know you were always um, a real fast eater. Yeah. And I, yeah. that's something I struggle with every single meal. And that's quite dangerous when you've mm. had bypass because your stomach is the size of an egg. Yeah. You know what I mean, even though you can eat more than an egg's worth of food, you know, it's but I'm also I've also been very lucky because I literally can. I, I heard Becky saying about, you know, cabbage and eggs and stuff like that. Like I can eat literally anything. And I haven't dumped, I haven't dumped at all. You know, I haven't had the dumping, the um, inte- intestinal rush when the right. food moves too fast into your intestines and it makes you feel like you're going to die for about three hours and, Jesus. or certain foods can do that as well. Yeah. Which is again, a double-edged sword because like one of the, one of the reasons people have bypasses is because the dumping does control, because usually people dump when foods are too fatty or sugar. Yeah. So, oh yeah so it stops people from eating those kind of things now i haven't really wanted to but mm. um up to now but uh, i don't dump now i i do like i do get the blockage sometime right. but i've never been i haven't i haven't vomited once since i've had the surgery um i haven't had any like any any problems like that and there are people who literally get sick every time they eat you know oh, god more with the sleeve actually than the bypass but um so I've been lucky that way. I could literally eat anything. Like wow. I've no, I've had no intolerance. Some people become gluten intolerant after they have the surgery, Jesus. you know, or dairy intolerance. And, or, 
and you've come off all your blood pressure meds as well haven't yeah you? yeah within four wow. months well within within three weeks I was off one of them because you and weren't then, feeding well and you went to the doctor and then oh they my, took you my off my blood them. pressure was like I, my my blood pressure was like um uh 85 over 59 you know and yeah it was really low yeah most most people just in case you don't know it should like the perfect blood pressure is 120 over 80 yeah so my i was feeling really unwell and lightheaded and sick and they took my blood pressure and they were like oh my god your blood pressure is like dangerously low and i was like no it's not i've got high blood pressure i've always had high blood pressure so they took me off one and then it kind of went up a bit but then now i'm off all my blood pressure meds and i'm only on painkillers but one thing that becky kind of touched off as well is that when you do have a bypass you have to take um other multivitamins and um other things for the rest of your life so it'll but stay. you were always taking that sort of stuff anyway. Yeah, you were really. You'd yeah, have that's not really been a change twenty million in front of you. <laughs> yeah, so. and also I've had some issues around which I had before the surgery. I have. Um, I was I was already quite anemic. Yeah. Um. So I have had. I. I. And that was beforehand. I don't. Um. I don't absorb. Um. Iron, B twelve, and folic acid. Yeah. Um, which can which is all can which is a big issue for people after they have the surgery. So I have to be really I have to get uh, B12 injections and iron infusions and I have to take yeah, but that, acid daily. That wasn't well. because of the surgery. You were no that, but that it was happening be anyway. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was happening to me before, but it also <laughs> happens to everybody who has the surgery as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, um, they have to be really careful. But other than that, I mean it's just been like incredible for me and a a total life changer and I have my life back to a certain extent you know um it's not going to repair the damage that's already been done you Mm -hmm. know the damage that I I already had but as I said everything is easier and the fact that I can you know I now I just feel so so lucky and so free and that I can just I can walk again and I can I can you know I can I can do things for myself again I don't have to depend on 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 my daughter and you know and she can depend on me now which is you know the way it should be and I don't oh I I stopped using I stopped using my cane like a week after I had the surgery I didn't need it anymore you know and actually maybe even beforehand maybe even losing a stone you know made a big the stone that I lost before the surgery um and you know I have so much energy um, yeah. Although in bursts because my calorie intake is so low, I crash oh. really quickly, yeah. and I sleep. I sleep a lot more, but I'm sleeping a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Um, you were saying that. Yeah. So. So listen, been, I'm yeah. going to have to wrap up because I, I, I could really talk good. for another hour about <laughs> yeah. all this. It fascinates me, and I feel very. I actually feel really lucky to have two sisters who have had the experience. Um, and I don't mean that. Oh, I did just want to say actually one thing. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that this is kind of my kind of coming out of the closet yeah. moment yeah. because I hadn't actually 
Becky was very open about her having the surgery mm. and, you know, that she'd had the surgery. Um, I wasn't. And it, it wasn't because I felt shame or embarrassment. No, or no. It's a taboo. It's, it is more of a taboo in Ireland, definitely, than it mm. is in the UK. But apart from that, the reason I didn't really tell anyone except, like, my family who've just been absolutely amazing they've just been so supportive and I couldn't have asked for better but and and some close friends who again have been amazing um is because I just couldn't deal with anything I couldn't deal with questions I couldn't deal with questions about going abroad and people giving their opinions and maybe judgments and you know that sort of stuff and I just couldn't I just didn't feel I was I just had to focus on myself yeah you know yeah focus on on my own kind of recovery and I didn't want anyone trying to you know uh, maybe talk me out of it I knew it was what I had to do and Mm. I was sure that it was what I wanted to do I was a hundred percent and um and I just and after the surgery, then I was just dealing with so much that I just didn't want to deal with anybody's, you know, I know, I know. and it was and it's nobody's business either. You no. know, we, we, we should never have to feel that we have a duty to tell people what's no, going exactly. on in our lives. Unless we want to. So that's how I felt. But now I feel like, you know, I'm in a much better place. I and, love that and... you think my audience is big enough that <laughs> <laughs> every like anyone that knows me is listening because I don't. <laughs> I haven't. You're millions, you're millions of subscribers now know my yeah. deep dark secrets. I haven't actually, like I, people on Instagram that follow me or I interact with know about the podcast, but I've never put it up on Facebook or anything like that. Who oh, are, and those, though. the Facebook so people good. are the sort of friends and family. And I just yeah. feel really, I feel, I don't know. I, yeah. So you I should. have a bit of. Um, that's another, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so listen sis i'm going to wrap it up because yeah. as i said i'm sure yeah, we, i mean it's gone way over time so i'm really sorry not even about being over time but um i think we're at the end of the story now <laughs> um, oh we're not well, no no another, yeah i know hour and, a half. <laughs> and i could as well so yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we'll take this up because um i'm just going to tell people that you and i are going to actually start a podcast together now yeah. it's going to be more about mind matters and you know mental health and all that sort of stuff which we both work yeah and, yeah we both work in very different fields but it's all the same organ that we work Absolutely. with <laughs> um <laughs> excuse me there's yeah. no organs in my work <laughs> uh, the organ of the don't, brain don't i just want to make it clear <laughs> but um Thank you so much. And thank you for using me as your coming out of the closet, <laughs> weight loss, coming out of the My closet moment. storyteller. Um, to I, be honest, even though I said that, I, I haven't, it hasn't been a massive secret either because I have no. still told quite a people that I trust, you know, yeah, and people that I, you know, um, that I, that I. Yeah. And I think you're anyway. lucky that Becky went before you because she sort of yeah. led the way she that paved she, the way, she absolutely. paved the way for showing people how positive a, yeah. oh, a thing it is. Did. Definitely when it came to your family, even, I mean, as as we said at the start, how, how we bitched, not bitched about Becky, but we we lovingly were concerned. Yeah. You know, quite concerned. Yeah. Or just a bit indifferently jealous. But she, she gave (laughs) us the learning 
to be able to deal with your yours and you know know, she and she handled it so gracefully exactly yeah yeah and even when like I kind of tongue-in-cheek tail between my legs came came back to her and she never said I told you so but (laughs) after you know I kind of did feel like at one stage that I had to say to her look you know I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was really blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She was like, she was so graceful and, Aww. you know, and she really was. And she was so supportive and she was, a. I mean, as I said, I never had the two years of coaching and I still don't, even though the team was still there for me very much. Um, I still don't have the, you know, the, um, the 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 backup that she yeah, has you know yeah yeah no but she's exactly. been so like she's been so supportive and she's yeah. been a wealth of information oh. and a wealth of help and really had a had had a great hand in my success and you know yeah. and she's still obviously still and as you are too so you know it's been oh. it's been such a blessing well so listen thank you, thank you for sharing I've really enjoyed this um interview and just to say you can be found online i will put it on on instagram but you can be found online You've, your website is virtual counselor um, um and www. You don't have to give the www anymore. There's a lot of comedians okay, play on that one you big old woman. Right. Okay, sorry. Um uh, so it's so yes, virtualcounselingireland.com um, and irishshamanism.com. Lovely. Listen, thank you so also much. Also on sister. Instagram, it's the same, and on yeah. Facebook, it's the same names. Brilliant. And I'm sure people will go and have a look at you now to see what you look like. <laughs> um, Before and after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, lots I of love. I haven't posted any, but yeah, lots of love to you too, and thanks and... for the. Um, for the for the talk and the chat and yeah you know, it was great I, and i'm so proud of the work you're doing oh Keep thank you speak to you soon bye bye, bye. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share. And also, if you would be good enough to rate and review it. See you next time. Bye.